Hello and welcome to Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 324. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey, what's up? This week on the show, we'll be talking about Amy Poehler's Wine Country, along with uh, someone we're watching on the watch list, and going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember, you can help support Film Pulse by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash filmpulse for just a dollar a month. Also, please consider reviewing us on iTunes. That would be extremely helpful as well. A couple housekeeping bits before we dive in today. Uh, There's a new Film Pulse Plays up on the site and on our YouTube channel right now. I know that I haven't done that series in a really long time. I kind of abandoned it, but I recently discovered that the City of Lost Children, the, the film from 1995, the Genet <laughs> film, actually got a PlayStation game version. Like it was adapted into a PlayStation game. And after I discovered it, I was like, I have to, I have to do something about this. So I, I got the game. I recorded me playing it from beginning to end. I beat the whole game in uh, about an hour and a half. It's a very short game, <laughs> wow. very short game. Um, and I made a little video on it. So check it out if you're interested in that. And I'm thinking about maybe bringing the series back and I'm just trying to find more obscure stuff. Like the fact that there's a city of lost children video game. Yeah. is just insane to me. Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm only looking for the like really obscure things. I mean, that's kind of what I did from the very beginning, doing like the Lawnmower Man and Hudson Hawk and um, the Page Master. The, these are these are slightly more obscure titles. Like, I'm not going to do any kind of, I don't know, like Pokemon yeah. or something. Yeah, you just <laughs> like it's something that you can't pass up. Yeah, it's, it's children for Christ's sake. So there's there's a couple other ones that I discovered recently and and i might do videos on them if i can track down like reasonable copies the thing is like the a lot of these games are like pretty rare now so like city of lost children is very expensive it's like 90 dollars on ebay if you want a complete copy of it or more like 90 is like the average but it goes up from there you can find like just the disc where it's just the disc by itself. Nothing else for like they, some of the listings are like 30, 40 bucks, but yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Check that out. No, Ryan watches a movie again this week. He is still, he said moving, but I don't know if he's like, I don't know what's going on. New carpet, I guess still he is. He's enjoying that new carpet. Yeah, so he said, so just a little behind the scenes, we record those episodes a week early. So he said that he should be good for this coming week. So hopefully we'll get something in the can this week and then be able to release it next week. Okay. I'm hoping. And then finally, we are going to be recording a new Save by the 90s, the May episode. We're going to be recording that next week. So that should be up very shortly thereafter. I will post something on our say by the 90s twitter when that is done and when we have a release date set i'm very excited i mean i always get it's funny because like every time we every month whenever we nail the 
whenever we lock down the theme, I get really excited. Like, I just can't wait to dive into these movies. So um, I'm not ready to give away what we're doing just yet, but um, I'm trying to think of like a hint. They're, They're all May movies and they're all from the same year this time around so looking forward to that let's get into our review this week we're talking about wine country this is directed by amy poehler i have a synopsis here when a group of longtime girlfriends goes to napa for the weekend to celebrate their friend's 50th birthday tensions from the past boil over this is available on netflix right now kevin we'll start it with you what did you think of wine country Mm, there's tensions always boiling. boiling they're boiling everywhere they bubbling come. bubbling and boiling and they just come up to the surface and then you gotta face it you gotta confront it there's nothing you can do you can't get away from it it's inevitable uh i think for the most part i enjoyed it i thought it was uh funny enough uh the only thing that would kind of bump me out is there's everything's just kind of light and for the most part carefree and just fun and then there's this this section of because of it being um, Rachel Drash's character's 50th birthday, that's why they're celebrating in Napa Valley or whatever. For some reason, they have to do this like they're angry at millennials thing, which just felt really like uninspired mm-hmm. and just like played out. And like the comedy that they were mining from that wasn't good at all. Like it was all very basic and it just, that was really the, the main roadblock for me, the stumbling block. If you, if you prefer, but I think everything outside of that was pretty good. Yeah. I found found myself chuckling and chortling. Yeah. There were, there were definite chuckles, definite chortles. I enjoyed a lot of the just little kind of one-off gags. I, will agree with you that it was just a kind of a light fun little comedy. I think that it's uh Netflix suits it. It's a, it is definitely a Netflix movie where it's, you know, <laughs> not, not a lot to say about it. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, I don't, I don't have a lot of criticisms with it. I think that I will agree with you that, some of the some of the bits didn't necessarily land the uh, the one that I was going to talk to you about was the sort of the millennial thing the the art museum <laughs> scene which it felt it felt odd like that that was a just a weird scene that almost seemed like it was like added later or something where that's why like they went out of their way to include that yeah. And it's like, this is not strong at all. Like, this, yeah. it doesn't work. You didn't need to do this. You did not need to detour this movie in order to fit this in. I like that it was Fran Drescher. Yeah. <laughs> this, the, the, the pieces were all around the nanny. but Which, and, you know, of all the art that was in that art show, that was the art to be, you know, that would piss me off the least. Everything else was garbage. I mean, that was at least like they were decent pictures, decent paintings of Fran Drescher as the nanny. Yeah. So like some of the, some of the smaller jokes and statements that they were making, I don't think 
landed. I think a lot of the sort of broader themes that they were tackling were worked better. Like the, the, um, you know, when, when, when they are introduced to Tina Fey, who's the owner of the like Airbnb that they're staying at and how she was sort of like, she's seen this before she knows sort of the, the patterns and how she was telling them like, never start a sentence with, can I just say something? And, <laughs> and then that was like an ongoing thing throughout the whole movie. <laughs> they would always just be like, can I just say something? <laughs> yeah. That never ends well. No, it, it, it really never does. I liked that. I thought that they spent for the most part being a pretty robust ensemble. I thought that they did a good job of juggling each of the individual storylines. I mean, you have these, uh, friends and each of them is dealing with their own sort of issue. And I thought that they did a pretty good job of handling each one of them. You know, Amy Poehler lost her job and Rachel Drash is dealing with the fact that she's turning 50 and she's is not in a good marriage. And Anna Gasteyer is uh, like a workaholic and she's letting her work consume her. And Maya Rudolph is waiting for these test results from her doctor and Paula Pell is uh, lonely and just struggling to find someone to be with. She's great, by the way, Paula Mm -hmm. Pell. She, Mm -hmm. she was, I think one of the strongest uh, of, of the crew. I think she's fantastic in the show AP bio. She's so funny in that show. And she's, she was really funny in this. Although I think that she was a little bit underutilized. She's, it, like like her character in AP Bio is a laugh riot, and she might have been a little underutilized in this. And then uh, finally, you have uh, is it Emily Spivy? Yeah, she, yeah. She's the last one. Is Jenny, and she's just sort of. Uh, I I felt like they didn't explore her <laughs> no, her character think, as much, but but and she she's not you know she's kind of the. I would say the minor one after everyone, like maybe the, the least amount of screen time, but man, when she gets it, I think <laughs> yeah, she's, <laughs> when, I mean, she's hilarious. She gets her little speech about realizing that she's a piece of shit. Yeah. She's like, she's Jesus very, Christ. very self-deprecating. And I, I could see myself. Yeah. I've, a lot. Yeah, I, I, def- I, I, I definitely felt a kinship there. Yeah. How like she wasn't even going to go and they didn't even no. expect her to go. Like that's, that's definitely me. And I think that that's one of the s- strongest elements of, of this movie is that it's with all of these characters, it's insanely relatable. Like you can definitely see yourself in at least one or two of these characters. The, uh, like the, the, the scene when I think it's in one of the trailers, at least one of the trailers where they're, thinking about doing molly but they have to (laughs) figure out if it's gonna somehow affect the other medications that they're on and they're just listing all of their medications (laughs) the um the cpap thing i thought was uh pretty funny just because i myself recently had to get a cpap machine and (laughs) It's the same one. The, the one that I have is the same one that's in the movie. Although my mask is different. I have a different mask, but I uh, love it. I do. 
I do love the when Schwartzman just standing there. And he's like, "Hey, is there any chance we could have sex?" And the the amount of time, yeah, they it like, just sits on it <laughs> on Polar's face as she just blinks and just runs it through her mind. Yeah, uh, <sighs> J- yeah. So Jason Schwartzman was in this too. He was he was very funny in this. I, I liked his character of Devin. The pie. It's gonna be like four more hours, guys. I'm sorry. It's uh, I, I, it's gonna take a little longer. It's like a 47 hour pie. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that was that. Was and I love that they just dropped it. Like it, at one point, it was the, you know, he he acknowledged that it was gonna take a couple more hours. I guess it's just simmering unattended all this time. And then finally, they're just like, we don't give a fuck about it. We don't want it. And then it's just dropped. It's never brought up again. No one ever tastes the paella. We don't even know what happens to it. It probably just burnt. It's yeah. probably black as can be sitting over there. It's probably still cooking as we speak. Probably. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Tina Fey's character is Tammy. Very funny. Could have used a little bit more of her, but the the character of Jade played by Maya... Erskine, she's really funny. I and I, I can see her. Uh, she's she's been in a lot of a lot of stuff recently, and I could see her just blowing up. She's in a movie called Plus One that's coming out relatively soon, and she's very funny in it. She's hilarious in it, actually. Okay. Another thing that I thought was odd, which I don't know if this is like it has to be baked in, but the Benet Brown thing. Like I had no idea who that person I is. I didn't either. Like I like it made no sense to me. And then as soon as we were done watching this movie, you know, and you come up on Netflix page, like one of the other things was like a Benet Brown, like Netflix special type deal. And I was just like, oh, is that like, is that like a Netflix thing? Like you have to include her. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, because I've never heard of her. I have no I, idea who she is. Well, but you're not a middle-aged woman maybe she's very popular within that crowd and that was the joke i mean they make a lot of jokes about like podcasts and stuff and npr (laughs) they all download the podcast (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, just remembering the raccoons the family of raccoons yeah raccoon dad (laughs) oh god the the one thing that I did like about the the scene, the the Fran Drescher art show scene, was the fact that she ended up buying one of the paintings. Val Val's uh, Paula Pell's character, she ended up buying one of the paintings. It was like this giant <laughs> painting, and she, they're like, "How are you going to get that home?" She goes, "I don't know. I'll fucking fold it." <laughs> yeah, it very is, funny. It's, yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. I mean, there's a little, like I said, there's a couple portions in there that I don't, I don't think we're, and it's still that, that biggest one of the, the millennial thing. Cause again, it just, it feels like they went out of their way to, to squeeze that in there for some reason. And it yeah. was like, you didn't, you didn't have to, like it would have been fine without that. I mean, I think that it's one thing to joke about how, you know, you're, you're to the age where you're out of touch with, the youth and and make jokes about that but then they also they do that but then they also kind of 
poke fun at the the youth, which is fine, but I just didn't think it was necessarily. But worked. it's uh, but it's just it's so generic. Yeah, you know, it's the the type of jokes that you've heard God knows how many times now. Right. It's just like we get it. You can't use computers, and you're mad about it. <laughs> fucking get over it. Call Google. Just fucking Google it. You don't know what Snapchat is. I understand. You couldn't get into Snapchat. I don't understand how she lost her job because of that. I got fuckers at work that don't know how to do save as. <laughs> and they're fucking supervisors. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's all I really have to say about it. I, I think that it's uh, easy to recommend this just because it is on Netflix and it's just a, a light fun watch. I think that this is actually based on a true events. And the, it's just to have all these, all these funny women together. I mean, cause the, Honestly, these these are some of my favorites, and to have them all in one thing, mm-hmm. yeah. and I just like you know the I also like the when they do the wine tasting stuff, <laughs> they're just not they're not really into it, but for some oh, reason, yeah, <laughs> like people like to talk about wine here, and the woman's <laughs> just like, well, yeah, the the uh, when they go to the organic <laughs> vineyard with the sediment. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you call this? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, mud, <laughs> dirt. I just <laughs> the visual of <laughs> the walk in the vineyards and the 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 just cuts to them all walking. Yeah, in the they're vineyard. all walking through the vineyard. <laughs> and I liked the interaction that they had with the other wine guy when <laughs> he goes, "There's no wrong answers." <laughs> and she's like, "Can't peaches?" <laughs> he goes, "No." <laughs> <laughs> I forget what the other one was. He's just, but that, that's just, that's egregious. Yeah. He's, uh, what was it? Um, lavender maybe, so, but, so. It, but yeah, <laughs> can't peaches. <laughs> I don't know why, but can't peaches. It's the fact yeah. that it's can't, right. that she specifically said, it's not just peaches because you could easily say peaches, but it's canned peaches. And she's right, because canned peaches do have a very different taste than peaches. Mm-hmm. I think it's the syrup. Yeah. Oh, I, I I think if this movie has taught us anything, is that we need more Rachel Dratch in everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's just... She's never not funny. Correct. That she's is just, 100% correct. She's so incredible. All right. Uh, let's give this a score. I think I'm sitting at around a seven, seven out of ten on Wine Country. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the same exact score. There Lock we go. it in, hand in hand. Check it out; it's on Netflix right now. Easy, easy recommend. All right, let's talk about some of what we've been watching. I think it's your turn to uh, kick it off this week, Kevin. Oh shit! I'm not ready. You go real quick. I got okay. stuff. I had a pretty light week. I was recovering from Tribeca, so. Sort of took a little, little bit of a break from uh, watching stuff. I did see De- uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu. Uh, I have a review for this up on the site. I heard relatively good things about this. So I was like, you know what? I'll give it a look. And you know what? It's okay. It's pretty good. 
<laughs> now yeah. I should I should uh, preface this by saying I'm not a huge Pokemon fan. I feel like we were just a little bit too old to to mm-hmm. hit hit the the Pokemon wave. I think that if we were maybe even three years younger, uh, I, I probably would have been a massive Pokemon fan. I could just, I know I would be, but we just, just missed it. I did have the game, the original game for Game Boy back in the day when it came out. But even, even then I was just, I wasn't a huge fan. So I've played a few of the games since then. I don't hate the, the franchise or anything like that, but I'm just not super into it. So there, so, you know, Going into it, I was like, all right, I had no expectations one way or the other. And I really liked a lot of aspects of this movie. It's sort of billed as this like neo-noir. Uh, it, it takes place in this, this uh, city, this fictional city called Rhyme City, where humans and Pokemon coexist. And the city is fully realized. It's uh, visually stunning they did a really great job of the world building in this movie, the design of the Pokemon themselves. They look really cool. I mean, the, the animation for the most part is really well done. I mean, these things look real and uh, they did a really good job with that. It's very funny. There's a lot of really funny moments. I liked the sort of detective work the mystery aspect of it a lot more than the big action set pieces that that take place later on in the movie and so i I think i would have rather have it been this sort of like hard-boiled detective story with you know this guy uh played by justice smith and his his pikachu that he can understand who talks uh voiced by ryan reynolds it was a little weird to hear like Deadpool's voice coming out of Pikachu's mouth. Yeah. Cause it's like a very similar character too, where he's sort of like wise cracking all the time. Yeah. So that was, it was a little jarring. I don't know if I could get past that. It's, it's a little jarring, but he's just so adorable. And the fact that, uh, the Psyduck was another one of the main like Pokemon characters in this, which is like the goofiest looking <laughs> Pokemon. Uh, it, was, it was great. A, there's a lot of hand holding through this. It is a kid's movie. I mean, it's, it's definitely designed for kids. So there's a lot of like rehashes of the plot and they, they s- just spell everything out. Everything's pretty predictable. Like you can kind of see the path that this is going to take from mm. very early on. Like there's, there's some twists and I saw them coming a mile away. So, you know, it's, it's a little bit annoying, but at the same time, it's a kid's movie. So I, I understand why they did that. They wanted to make sure that, you know, kids yeah. or stupid people seeing the movie understood, <laughs> like could understand and follow what was happening. A lot of exposition. But overall, I would say it's, it's a pretty good time. So I, I would give it a light recommend. Okay. Uh, I finally got to see Jewel Dassin's Uptight from 1968. This popped up on uh, the Criterion channel, 
with a, a little introduction by Barry Jenkins. So I've had this on my watch list for a while because it stars, well, it doesn't star. He's got a, he's kind of the main character, but it's more of a side role. Max Julian, huge Max Julian fan. And I heard, I heard that his, his performance in this is pretty great. So I kind of went into it with incorrect expectations. So I was really coming at it for Max Julian. And he's really not in it that much. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. And then he's also doing this, uh, this really fake voice, which is, it was a little bit jarring mm. for me. Cause I'm just like, what the hell is this? What's going on here? <laughs> but what makes up for it is Julian Mayfield's performance. He is fucking unbelievable in this movie. And what it is, is it's, it takes place right after uh, Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. And the beginning of the film opens up with uh, like documentary footage of his, his funeral. And then it kind of goes from there in Cleveland, Ohio. These black militants have decided that like enough's enough with this nonviolence shit. They're going to, they're going to, uh, Max Julian and his buddies are going to rob this armory, get all these guns, all this ammunition, and then they're, they're going to start a revolution. So they get Julian Mayfield. He's supposed to go along with them. He's their fourth guy. They need him. They need four guys, but he's drunk. So they do it alone. Max Julian's character ends up shooting the, the guard and the police are looking for him. And Julian Mayfield, he plays tank. He gets kicked out of the militants. They don't want him around because he's drunk. And now he's worried about his best friend is wanted by the police. They put a money out for him, like a thousand bucks. And he's dirt poor. He doesn't have anything. And he's kind of thrust into the situation of giving his best friend up in order to get some money. So he's kind of pushed in, pressured into it. And then it kind of goes on from there. And there's just, there's one scene in particular where he, he makes his money. He gets his thousand dollars. And of course he goes out and just buys everyone drinks. And he's getting trashed, getting shit-faced, which, I mean, just a terrible decision right off the bat because everyone knows you got money now. So they're going to put two and two together. But he ends up going to this, like, arcade-type place, and he's just kind of hanging out by himself. And this real rich group of uh, white people come in in their Rolls Royce. And it really doesn't make sense. But I love this about movies where they ask him, you know, what's the plan? What are the black militants going to do? And he just obliges them and he just fucks with them and goes through his plan. But in order to go through the plan, he goes over to the funhouse mirrors and they follow him over there. And then he goes through the plan and it's all shot through the funhouse mirrors. So it's all, everything's distorted and it's just ridiculous looking and it's, it's just phenomenal. There's absolutely no reason for this other than it looks great. And I like when movies have, you know, are brazen enough to do that. Mm-hmm. We do it because it looks good. And it looks oh. phenomenal. Oh, yeah. I and can't, yeah, can't recommend it enough. And that's Uptight from 1968. Uh, the only other one that I'll really mention is, I don't even know if it's, yeah, I'll say it's a movie. It's uh, of Mike's and Men. <laughs> I mean, it's a sort of a TV show. It's a four-part documentary series. 
Okay. And it's uh, it's about the Wu Tang Clan, and uh, it's on Showtime. If you have the Showtime streaming, you can watch the whole thing. But I think that they're airing it on Showtime weekly. So the first episode is up. But if you have the Showtime streaming service, you can watch the whole four part series. Uh, it's directed by Sasha Jenkins, and it just. It's a comprehensive documentary about the Wu-Tang Clan. It, it starts with them, you know, getting together and it goes all the way up until now. And it, the way that it's presented is, is very interesting. First, I'll say it's a little messy. They kind of jump all over the place. It's not, um, it's not like this sort of cohesive timeline of events. They mm. will go off on like little tangents. Like in the third episode, they spent a lot of time on like ODB and sometimes they'll, they'll take these little side paths and like talk about a specific group member and like their, their backstory where they grew up and their family life and stuff like that. So it, it is a little bit messy. Um, especially when you're trying to figure out the timeline of events. Mm. Uh, but there's a lot of really fascinating stuff in here. I mean, this is a very, very candid expose on one of my favorite hip hop groups. And I learned, you know, I thought I knew a lot about them and sort of their, their history. This is, uh, has a lot of information in it that, that I didn't know. So it's very well produced. It looks great. Um, one of the things that they do is it's sort of framed around them all in a movie theater. And so like they get all of the, all of the members in a movie theater and they're like watching clips of, and, and that, that's the other thing. There's tons of like home video footage and stuff in here, like footage of them writing, writing songs and putting songs together for their, their first album and video, video of them in their first recording sessions, like, recording protecting neck and stuff. It, yeah, so there's, I mean, it's worth it just for that. Yeah, it is like a lot of really great, uh, footage of like really early days. And, um, it's a lot of it is sort of them just reacting to this like footage and stuff and like having little side conversations about the footage that they're watching on the movie screen. And I thought that that was a really interesting thing to do with it. Also, that it's at times very confrontational. Like there was a lot of, I mean, the group is still together, but they had a lot of problems uh, in in like the late '90s and through into the 2000s. And they they're not afraid to confront each other like immediately about it. Like they straight up confront RZA to his face in the documentary about some of the you know business practices that that he did. And I thought that was also quite fascinating. (laughs) They talk about the whole once upon a time in Shaolin, the, you know, the one of a kind, the Martin Scarelli thing. And that, that in and of itself was really interesting, especially because they reveal that like all of the other members didn't even know about this thing. Like they didn't know, they were planning on doing that Hmm. and they were paid like two grand to like lay down a verse 
and they didn't even know what it was for. And they had no idea that this album was even a thing. Oh my God. Yeah. RZA knew, but nobody else did. Oh, RZA. Yeah. So there's a lot of just really crazy stuff in this. If you're even a casual fan of Wu-Tang, I would highly recommend checking it out. It's really, really good. And again, it's called Of Mikes and Men. It's on Showtime. I got uh, one here. One last one. That's called Long Lost. This was, uh, it's on Amazon Prime, streaming on there. I didn't really have any expectations for this. I just decided to, you know, I was asked to check it out. So I was like, I'll check it out. See what this is about. And uh, it's, you know, the type of film where someone gets invited to a really, really wealthy estate. Not really quite sure what's going on. But here, it's his long-lost brother decides to have him up so they can catch up. But you know something right off the bat. Something's going on here. Because he has to sign an NDA right off the bat, which seems odd. If you're, which, I mean, right there, I think I would say that I would probably not agree to do this. Because that seems a little bit odd, does it not? You're supposed to be catching up with family. But yeah, the majority of what's happening throughout, you, you have this undercurrent that something, there's more to it. There's an ulterior motive here. And you're not quite sure what it is because early on, it like his, the long lost brother, the, the super wealthy guy, his living girlfriend shows up and it, you know, the, the brother Seth that, that came up, he, he had no idea and everything's just a bit weird. It's a bit off. So, you know, something's going on, but majority of what's happening, which is all essentially just build up, is just, it's kind of low stakes, just kind of like hanging out. They immediately settle into like a sibling rivalry and they play these stupid games for like actual money because uh, the the wealthy brother, Nicholas Tucci, plays them. And he is, he's fantastic because he's a really bizarre, like the way he plays it, because he's this like, fraternity dude bro but he's also like the most eccentric wealthy person and just the way that he plays him is so bizarre and that really keeps the interest going because for much of the film you're not really quite sure what's going on or what the purpose is until the very end when it's you know revealed which for me it was worth it the reveal i thought worked uh it made everything it essentially shifted everything that happened before it, you know, and it's just, it's a difficult one because you can't talk about it because you can't talk about the end because you spoil the whole damn thing. Fucking ruin it. I don't want to ruin it, but it's definitely worth it in order to get to that end. I was kind of surprised, pleasantly surprised by this one. And that's a long lost all right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. We got Shaun the Sheep movie Farmageddon coming out. Okay. Another one of those uh, Shaun the Sheep movies. Never, never really was, was never really into those. Yeah, I didn't know that that was like a thing. Yeah. No, very little marketing behind this. Yeah, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> oh, the only reason I know about it is because I was looking at the like upcoming release calendar and saw it. So yeah, 
No emails, no nothing. Didn't see any trailers. Uh, we have The Third Wife coming out. Okay. Uh, John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum. That's the biggie. Hell yeah. So the reviews started coming in for this one. It currently has a 98%. Oh, boy. Overwhelmingly positive. Wonderful. You have yet to see John Wick 2. That is correct. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Well, you need, to, you need to rectify that situation. I will at some point. Believe me. Well, maybe you can do it before John Wick 3. Uh, yeah, that would be ideal. Can't, no promises, <laughs> but. <laughs> uh, A Dog's Journey is coming out. That's the sequel to, uh, what? what is, I don't even remember what the first one was. Like A Dog's Promise or something. A Dog's Promise. <laughs> <laughs> is that what it was? What was, the, what was the original one called? I have no idea, but now it's called A Dog's Promise. <laughs> uh, Forever and always. What was it called? It was, oh, oh, it was a dog's purpose. I think that's that's, what it was. Dog's purpose. Dog's promise. You know, I'm a I'm a huge dog lover. We've talked about it numerous times on the show, but these movies, dogs, fucking love those dogs. These movies, though, big, uh, big, big no for me. Are they faith based? Is that what they are? I, I don't think so. I don't, Are these Christian I, I, dogs? No, Christian dogs? no, I don't think so. But they're just—I okay. mean, they're—they're they're, they're certainly family friendly. But I think it's like about the—the the dog is like reincarnated. So like this person, like every dog they have, it's like the same person or it's the okay. same dog. Okay, so the the same soul, same dog soul, it protecting sounds, its owner. It sounds like it's stealth face base. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. But but like the, like the dog went to heaven. The thing I don't like about it is that it's one of these like look who's talking style things gotcha. where you're hearing the dog's inner thoughts. Uh, it's no nah, doesn't doesn't look good to me. Let's see what else we have here. The sun is also a star. We have mm-hmm. the souvenir. I just I just saw a trailer for The Sun is Also a Star and it looks uh, pretty pretty rough. Mm. Uh The Meanest Man in Texas. Uh We Have Always Lived in the Castle. The Professor Aniara. That's uh that kind of sci-fi indie sci-fi movie that has a really great poster. Oh, okay. I knew that sounded familiar. Mm-hmm. Photograph. Uh perfect which I believe is also coming to VOD. I'm not sure if it's this week or getting a slightly delayed VOD release, but that's the one that's uh, executive produced by Soderbergh, and it's, I think, produced, and the music is done by Flying Lotus. Okay. It's a uh, kind of yeah, trippy-looking yeah. sci-fi movie about this guy who like goes to this clinic where they like implant characteristics into you to like make you a more perfect human okay it looks visually it looks pretty good i'm not really sure about the rest but all right let's see what else we have here trial by fire that's the one with uh with laura dern and um 
uh, who's the the lead actor, uh, Jack O'Connell. Mm. It could be, could be decent. Uh, and finally, all creatures here below on VOD this week. We have Life Hack. This comes out the thirteenth. So as you're listening to this, this will be available. It's a weird release. There's also another Monday release. How you look at me. I like it when they put out, I feel like it should just be Tuesdays and Fridays. Put the, yeah. put the bigger stuff out on Fridays, put all the DVD and like smaller things out on Tuesdays and just, that's it. None of these weird like Monday, Wednesday releases. Everyone's trying to set themselves apart. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, that's what's, ha- I mean, it's happening in video games too, where, whereas like before video games were released on just set days and now they're just kind of coming out all over the place. This is the fucking wild, wild west. Now I think it's just because there's so much there's, there's, there's so much that's happening. Plus just release it whenever you want to release it cares anymore. Yeah. I guess with digital distribution, they don't really have to abide by any kind of release schedule. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the 14th, we have St. Bernard, which is this kind of, surreal horror movie we also have high moon on the 16th we have good sam which is a netflix release and then on friday we have a violent separation all creatures here below shed of the dead which is a as it sounds a horror comedy Mm. that's a zombie horror comedy we have always lived in the castle and it looks like that's about it for VOD this week. Let's take a look at Blu-ray. Apollo 11 is coming out. That's the the documentary from was it earlier this year? I'm not sure if that was a 2018 or 2019, but heard heard pretty good things about that. Happy Death Day to You comes out. That's worth a look. Fighting with My Family. That's the the biopic yeah wwe i like that one. Oh, you saw it i saw it yeah it was fun yeah directed by steven merchant so cold pursuit coming out that's the one with liam neeson uh i liked that that's quite good it's just it sucks that it right when that movie came out was when all the st- stuff came to light about him yeah his, his racist remarks and that really brought that movie down big it time sure did Ghosts of Mars is coming out. That's getting a new Blu-ray release from 2001. That's the uh, the John Carpenter one. I like that movie. I, I have a feeling if I revisited it now, I probably wouldn't. But back back when this came out, I enjoyed it. Yeah, don't sell it. Yeah, I'm well, I'm not. The Devil's Night from 1971 coming out. The Landlord from 1970. Nice. The Chosen from 1977. Uh, Yakuza Law from 1969 coming out on Arrow. All right. St. Bernard is coming out. That's the one that's also hitting VOD. 1998's Boogie Boy is coming out on the MVD Rewind Collection. Talked about that series uh, previously, the MVD series. I like what they're doing. Putting out these like kind of previously maligned 90s movies 
Birds of Passage from last year is coming out. The 1976 version of A Star is Born is getting a Blu-ray release. Okay. Uh, that's pretty much all I have. What about Criterions this week? Two of them. You can get two. You got uh, David Mamet's House of Games from 1987, which has uh, got uh, some documentaries on there, some interviews, got commentary from Mamet and Ricky Jay. And then you got Funny Games, 1997's Funny Games, the old oh Anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, well, we should have a um, review for this up sometime soon. Yeah, that's the original one, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, new English subtitle translation. Hmm. I didn't find the, the, the original translation to be... Well, how would you know? Really you wouldn't fucking know. Yeah, maybe I wouldn't. I mean, I guess, <laughs> I guess when saying that, I didn't re- recall any like egregious errors. But yeah. also got new interviews with Haneke, one of the actors. So you got new stuff on there. It's a whole, a whole bunch of new stuff. You can experience cool. funny games, the original funny games, in a new way. He hasn't put anything out in a while. No, he hasn't. It's been several this, years. And even, what was the last movie? Happy End? Is that what it's called? Maybe. Like it, played, it played some festivals and stuff, and then I just kind of never heard of it again. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. even know if it ever came out. I've never seen I'm it. I'm not sure. All right. I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.